Uh, good evening, everybody. It is incredible, incredible to be back at Thursday Night Live after a long delay. It's incredible to see uh, many returning faces and some new faces as well. A special acknowledgement of my dear son, Moshe, who came along, maybe because he wanted to learn and maybe because he wanted some good food. Hopefully not good beer. And I thank everyone else for coming. It's really, it's a mysterious nefesh to come out on a night like tonight with the weather, to get out of the house. All you want to do is stay inside. It's a real mysterious nefesh to come out or just because you need to get out of the house after a long day. But either way, we're here, an amazing crowd of people coming to learn on a Thursday night, and we very much appreciate it. The week uh, from this coming Shabbos is Yechiel, is Bar Mitzvah. He was born on Yud Beis Adar, which is Wednesday. 13 years ago, which was the last time Purim fell out on Friday like it does this year. So he was born on Wednesday, Yud Beis Adar. Thursday was Tainus Esther. Friday was Purim. Friday night was Hashem Zacher. Um, and this year as well as his Bar Mitzvah. And as we're planning for the Bar Mitzvah, you know, there are not a lot of areas where the women get to show and express their creativity in Yiddishkeit. The Tefillin are black. The black hat is black. The shoes are black or maybe brown. That's really it. So the candy bags and a lot of other things in the bar mitzvah is their ability to have some creativity and be different and, and to plan. And I show she was planning the candy bags to be thrown at Yechiel at the bar mitzvah. I started really thinking about why, what are we doing? What's the point? What are we trying to convey? Is it just to have fun and add simcha to a simcha? Uh, perhaps, is it even mutter? Should we or should we not be throwing bags? In fact, when Shoshi told my in-laws about the shear, they said, oh, uh, you know, in our shul in Great Neck, they, they stopped the practice a couple of years ago because someone lost an eye. Okay, we hope that's not going to happen next week. Moish Schneider texted me today, and I don't know if anyone here remembers this, but Moish Schneider said when he was president of OT, uh, soon after we moved into the new building, in the late 90s, I believe, maybe mid-90s, he was the first president. At, or he was the president when they moved into the building. And they banned the practice. I don't think anyone remembers that. They did not throw candy bags anymore. And there was an uproar in the shul. People were angry. That's the whole point of a bar mitzvah. I don't know if anyone said it like that. That's how he expressed it to me. So they brought back the minhag. What are we doing? And I want to start with three reasons why we shouldn't throw candy bags. And this is true for a bar mitzvah, uh, for an ufruf. Why, why shouldn't we? Why would one be opposed to the minhag of throwing candy bags at a bar mitzvah boy or an ufruf? And maybe we should talk as well whether we should throw at the bat mitzvah girl, but I don't know if we'll get to that tonight. Why wouldn't we? Why would people be opposed to it? What? Yeah, good. So the second, well, well, I'll go in order the way I put it. The first one is dangerous. If you take a look at, at page number one, here it's listed as page number three, there are two articles on Jewish websites about people got hit and hurt at an ufruf from an errant throw by throwers of the candy bags. There are situations where it happens. Moshe Schneider told me he was at an uf, a, a prominent yeshiva he didn't tell me which one. I have guesses. 
He was at a prominent yeshiva. He was there. And there was the son of the Rosh Yeshiva, a young son, who was like 11 years old. And he wound up from around 10 feet from the, from the bima, from the shulchan. And he, as hard as he could, and he pelted. And he hit the chassan right in the eye. And he was out. Moshe Schneider is an optometrist. They brought him to the room. He looked at him. In the end, the kid was, the chassan was okay. Huh? Ophthalmologist, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna, someone might be listening to that. I'm gonna, yes. How was his mother? Um, so it's dangerous. It could be a sin. Now, I don't think it's a reason to ban it because it's so, it's so rare. I, I don't think things are so uncommon that people ski. Skiing is dangerous. We don't ban, maybe there are people who do, but our practice is that it's mutter to go skiing even though people get hurt. So uh, anyone here have seen some... Well, star, yeah, that's probably why people do this. Uh, I happen to like that candy, the star kissed, uh, sun, sun kiss, isn't it? Star kiss, sun kiss, fruit, the, gems. fruit gems. What? A bris? To throw at the baby? No. <laughs> throw the knife? Oh, bris is also dangerous. Okay, so that's reason. Very good. That's reason number one. Reason number one, it's dangerous. Maybe we should ban the practice because it is, it's dangerous. People, people can get hurt. Okay. Reason number two, if you take a look at page number two, the, and this is what Larry was referring to, the Shulchan Aruch. In Orachayim, Simon Kufnun Alf writes in source number three, Bate Knesios, Ubate Medrashos, Enogin Behen Kalos Rosh. They're halachas that govern how we act in a shul. How we act in the base matters. You can't be lightheaded. Schok, kigon, for example, schok, vehito, vasikh, vatela, joking around, frivolous activity, shmuzerai, talking about non important things in a shul is not allowed. In Ochlin, Vishosin, then, can't eat, you can't drink, Lamaskashman, you don't beautify yourself, do your makeup, Lamatailman, you don't travel, you don't enter into a shul if it's hot and you want to be shielded from the heat. Or from the rain, you don't enter into a shul. It doesn't mean a shul building, it means a sanctuary. We don't treat a shul with disrespect. The Mishnah explains by the mikdash, there's a halacha that we fear, we are in awe of the mikdash. That's mikdashi tiro. There's moraha mikdash, there's fear, awe of the mikdash. And a shul is a mikdash ma'at. So we, we have to treat a shul carefully. The Mishnah quotes a smack that says the sin of treating a shul of callous rosh with, with, with lightheadedness, with frivolous behavior, causes a shul to be turned into a house of Avodah So we take Kedushas Pesach Knesses, the sanctity of a shul, very seriously. So maybe you're in a shul and people are, are having a good time and are, are throwing things. And often you see people, they take it, they throw it back, they throw it, right? Where is it? Wrigley Field, they throw it back to home run balls? The guys, they, the wife hits them, they throw it back. It could turn into a crazy... A crazy situation is callous roche, is lightheadedness. Maybe that's not appropriate. That could be reason number two. And reason number three is there's a halakha of bizui ochlin. It's a whole simon in Shulchan Aruch that we don't treat a food improperly. We don't throw food. Certain foods, yes. Certain foods, no. We can't get into all the halakhas now. The post can talk about like food art. Kids make uh, like art with, uh, with noodles. And there's all these types of things. We don't... Food's to eat. Food's not to be thrown around. 
So maybe to throw food is a problem as well. You're taking food, you're throwing it. It's not, it's not an appropriate way to, to, treat, to treat food. Bizui Ochlin, maybe that's another reason why it would be problematic. Now, most shuls have a custom of throwing these bags, and I want to understand, in light of these three concerns, it's dangerous, potentially, A. B, Mikdash, Kedusha, Space Aknesis, the sanctity of the shul, three, Bizui Ochlin, the sanctity of food, why do we do it? Where does it come from? So anyone know where it comes from? Why do we throw bags with the chasen or at the bar mitzvah boy? I, I can't hear you, sorry. A sweet life. We throw him candy, so he should have a sweet life. Okay? The gemar- nuts and fruit. To show him he's nuts. That works for the chasen. I'm not going to tell Sarah you said that. <laughs> if he has any peck luck in life, I'm sorry those on Zoom with a packed house here, it's going to be very hard for me to, to do both. So I apologize. You could, you could chat the questions, and maybe Aaron Breslin, who's, who's manning the Zoom, will be able to, to ask the questions. We have quite the operation over here. Uh, if he has any peck luck in life, this should be it. No more peck luck. Your worst peck luck should be sun-kissed candy and the Mike and Ikes. Okay? Very good. So let's take a look. It actually comes in a Gemara. There's a Gemara in Brachos on Nunam and Beis. In source number 6, the top of page 5. Thank you, Aaron, for helping us out. The Shulchan is talking, the Gemara, sorry, in Brachos, is talking about this idea of, of, of not throwing bread. You can't throw bread. You could throw bread. The Gemara says it depends. Is it going to get ruined? Is it not going to get ruined? If it's going to get ruined, you can't throw it. If it's not going to get ruined, you could throw it. And the end of that Gemara, two lines from the bottom on source six, the Gemara brachos adaf nunam abeis, two lines from the bottom in the middle of the line, the Gemara says tonu rabbanon. We learned in a brisa, mamshichin yayin bit sinoros lefnei chasam v'lefnei kala. You can. Flow, draw, pour wine into pipes. It's seen as a pipe, into tubes, in front of the chassan and the kala. You take wine, and you let wine flow in front of the chassan and kala. The zorkin lefneim kloyos, the egozim. You throw the chassan and kala. Isn't the non-Jewish word they throw rice, right? Is that correct? No? I guess everyone here is Jewish, so... No, isn't that a thing? You throw rice? Rice. It comes, it all comes from Chazal. So the Gemara doesn't say rice. V'zork in the name, Kloyos ve'agozim. Kloyos are this toasted grain, very sweet. Rashi says elsewhere it's sweet. Ve'agozim, nuts. And you throw them at the chasen and kala, b'yemos ha'chama, in the summer season and not in the rainy season. Why do we throw why do we throw sweet nuts and toasted grain at the chas and the kalos? This is a Gemara. We let wine flow and we throw nuts and sweet things. Now we've moved on from sweet grain to, to candy, but that was the sweet items at the time. We throw it at them. It's actually in, in, in Mesecha Smachos, it's one of the small Mesechtas. They say even more than that, we, we throw strings of fish and pieces of meat at the chasen and kala, I've never seen that. Don't try that next week in shul. What are we doing over here? This actually 
Yechiel likes spicy tuna, I'm just saying. <laughs> we, and it's actually in Shulchanach, in that simon, in Shulchanach, about not treating food improperly, in source number nine, the Shulchanach writes, You could, you could pour wine, or draw wine, let wine flow in front of Chasen and Kala. And in the next sif, the Zorkin Chitim Lefnei Chasen, we throw wheat in front of the Chasen. If you do it, says the Shulchanach, you should be careful that it should be thrown to a clean place, you should clean the shul. Afterwards, you don't want people to tramp on it, and it's going to stuck in the ground. So the Shulchanach in Halacha brings up the concept by Chasen that we let wine flow and we throw wheat at the Chasen. What's the point? Where, why? What are, we, what are we doing? So Rashi in source number 10 says we, we draw wine, or we pour wine, nishum simen tov. What's the simen tov? What does that mean? It's a good sign. Is that like Michi saying? Oh, I don't remember who said it. It's sweet? Nir said that? It's sweet? What's the simen? What's the good sign? We know on Rosh Hashanah, simon milsahi, we had the fish, you should prove a rule like the fish. And you had Mali Mitzvah's Karimon, right? And Yikarsu Sonein, and we do all the Simanim on Rosh Hashanah. This is one of those things. It's not Rosh Hashanah, but it's a Simon. What's the Simon? So the Archa Shulchan in Source 11, he explains, we do this La Simon Tov at the end of the first line. Osenzel is Simon Tov. Kolomar meaning to say, Sheimashech Shalvasan. We want them to have serenity. Wine is nice. Wine is peaceful. Wine is chill. We want the chasen and kala to have a, a sweet, peaceful, chill life like the wine, so we let the wine flow in front of them. We want the chasen and kala to have a sweet life, so we have the klayos, we have the, the toasted grain to, to hint to them, or to give some kind of simon. Maybe when they see that, they're going to work harder to live a life of sweetness, to live a life of Kleos Vegozim, and therefore we show it to them. Question. Yeah. Is this your question or a Zoom question? No, I'm kidding. We'll see if it's a good question you can answer. What, uh, so you, you would think maybe in terms of that, so at least maybe you should give it to them as a gift. Doesn't throwing it defeat the whole purpose of that? That's the whole, doesn't matter what we're doing, we're throwing it. That's the, that's the whole point. <laughs> that's a great question. If you want to have, if you want to give them a simon tov that they should have a sweet life, a life of serenity, so, Go to the house, give them a bottle of wine. Drop off a package of Klaus Vegosim. Throwing it to people over That's the whole question. That's a great question. It's a great question. Now, the Archa Shulchan says the last five words, which I did not read. I was saving it for your question. That's not true. But the Archa Shulchan says, There's an added benefit. It's, we do shtick at weddings. People are juggling fire, eating fire, all kinds of sh- all kinds of shtick at weddings. The whole point is, it's the misameh, chasen and kala, it makes them happy. So here you have both elements. It's the simen tov, it's a good sign, it's a reminder, it's a hint, and also it's to add, add to the gishmak. You have other sources as well. If you turn the page over, the rokeach, Zerishon, he says, mashazorkin chitin, we throw wheat, I've never seen this, simenu sheyiyu parin verabin tichitin, it's a sign, it's a hint, it's a prayer to the chasen and kala that should be fruitful and multiply like wheat. Anyone know about wheat and how it, it's fruitful and multiplies? So I'm not so smart, but today you've got a lot of ways to sound smart. Each head of the wheat fertilizes its own flowers 
due to the movement of the pollen from the male stamen to the female stigma. I don't know what that means, but apparently wheat, I don't know, find anything online, wheat, uh, is, it, 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 it creates its own kernels, I, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend like I know. Wheat is a sign for Puravu. We throw wheat at the Chassan and Kala. We would like you, we're hoping you'll bear children um, in the right time, we hope you'll be proofful and multiply. And the Maharil is one of the Rishonim. The Maharil writes that when they throw the wheat at the wedding, says the Maharil, they would say three times, Puruvu, Puruvu, Puruvu. They would, they would say it, they would, they would pray it, that the Chassan and Kala should be fruitful and multiply. The Abu Draham, who's another Rishon, he has a different reason. Where else do we have wheat? So as a Pasuk we say in, in Pesuket Zimra, Hasam Gvulech Shalom, Chelev Chitim Yaspiech, which is in the second of the Halukas, Tehillim Kuf Mem Zayin, Hasam Gvulech Shalom, God will make our boundaries peaceful, Chelev Chitim Yaspiech, the fats of wheat He gives us plenty of. So we're comparing Shalom to Chita, so we throw wheat at the Chasen and Kala to give them a, a bracha, a simon tov that they should have Shalom bias. This was a prevalent custom because there's a Mishnah in Mesachas Ksuvo. It's fascinating where this comes up. If you take a look at source 15, the Mishnah in Ksuvis says you have a woman, a lady, whose husband either dies, or divorces her. So when a woman's husband dies or divorces her, she gets her ksuba. Right? The ksuba of a person who has never been with a man, a basula, is 200 zuz. The ksuba of a baula, someone who was previously with another man, is only 100 zuz. It's 40 years after they got married. How do they know, once she got married, 40 years ago, if she was a basula or a baula? She claims I was a basula and I get 200 zoos. And he, so either the ex-husband or the children of the deceased husband say, what are you talking about? That's not true. You already were married. It was your second marriage. How do they know? And they have to figure it out. The, 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 the huge difference in the ksuba, 100 zoos or 200 zoos. Was she previously married or was she not previously married? So the Mishnah has says two ways to figure out if she was previously married. Number one, Go back to the video of the wedding or find people who were at her wedding. Did she go out with her head covered or not? If she went to the wedding and she went like every other single girl without her head covered, that means that she never been married before. Her ksuba is going to be 200 zoos. If not, then she was a, she was a bula. She was previously married, and her ksuba is going to be 100 zoos. Okay, where's, how does this relate to a, a chasen and a bar mitzvah? Says the Mishnah of Yochanan and broke Omer, af chiluk kloyos raya. You know how else you can tell? Maybe no one remembers if she had her hair covered at the wedding or not. But you know how else you can tell? Rashi explains, regilam hoyu lechale kloyos latinokos benisuea besulos. A woman who was getting married for the first time, the minig was to give out the sweet oats, the sweet grain, the sweet kernels at, at the wedding. So did they give it out or not? If they gave it out, it must be that she had never been married before. So you see, uh, this, this custom was so prevalent at a wedding that it could determine that this woman had never been married before. 
Until now, we're assuming it's for simintov. It's a sign, it's a remez, it's a hint, it's a prayer to the young couple, either to have shalom, to have shalva, peace, serenity, or pruravu. In Source 17, Sefer Taimei Minhagim, which is a beautiful compilation of many Minhagim, has a couple of fascinating explanations. He says the minig is that the Shabbos before the wedding, what we call the Ufruf, we throw at the chasen, egozim, our walnuts, shkedim, almonds, tzimukim, raisins. Why? Egos, where else do we see egos? Rosh Hashanah. Why don't we have egos in Rosh Hashanah? Because it's gematria chait, right? Is it? It's off by one, okay. Egos and gematria is one, 17, and chait is, is 18. Egos and gematria is chait, that's in Rosh Hashanah. We don't have egos because we don't want chait. I always like to quote the famous idea of the Satma Rebbe. He says, no, it also is gematria chait. Chait. So people like are very careful not to have egos because they don't want chait, but they have no problem having chait. Okay? We throw nuts because nuts is chait. And what happens to a chassan on the day of his wedding? His sins are forgiven. Right? A chassan be yom chupas on the day of his wedding. That's why he fasts. It's like Yom Kippur, all the sins are forgiven. So we throw nuts to hint to the chassan, hey, buddy, you're about to have all your sins forgiven. Egos isn't gematria chait. Shkedim, almonds, is a, a nut which ripens very quickly and it gives off its fruit, the nut, very fast. So too, we're telling this young couple, we hope that you'll be mostly pre, that you'll give birth to a child very quickly as well, just like the shkedim ripens quickly and gives forth its fruit fast, so too you, my dear Hassan and Kala, we hope you too will give off fruit, will have children quickly. Also, simokim raisins, what's, what's the defining characteristic of a raisin? It's very dry. Very dry. Chava, when Chava caused Adam to, to sin, what did she do? She fed him what? Grapes. She put grapes down his mouth. So this woman won't be like Chava to you. Michi, you're not nuts. This woman won't be like Chava. She's not going to cause you to sin by giving you a wet fruit, a grape. It's going to be dry like a raisin. You're not going to sin like Chava. That's time even hug him to explain why nuts, almonds, excuse me, and raisins. Now, if you stop here, if you stop here, beautiful reasons why we throw uh, nuts, walnuts, wheat, uh, poor wine, shalom, shalva, peace, serenity, purvu, hate, no sin, egos is hate, have children like the, like the almonds, no sins like the raisins, very beautiful. Does that have anything to do with the Bar Mitzvah boy? Absolutely not. Okay, so that, that's, that's, another, that's another question. But you do find in, the, in 17, the Sefer Taimim and Hagen, we do that at, at his Ufruf. Shabbos, right? If you take a look at Source 17, Tam Shazorkin Alachasin, the Shabbos, the Kodemachasin, the Kishaola Latorah, I guess we want to do it in front of everyone. But a bar mitzvah, none of these reasons are applicable to a bar mitzvah. We hope he's not having children anytime soon. He's not getting married at any third. I know back then they used to get married. They say the Nitziv was married at 14. 
He had his ufra from his bar mitzvah on like back-to-back Shabbosim. <laughs> he saved the leftovers. He's 9 of 14. Avram, how old are you? How old are you, 15? <laughs> they say that one of the rabbis went to one of the chassidim. The chassidim are very makbid on 18. Shmona Esri L'chuppah, the Gemara says. So the rabbi said to the chassid, Nu? Shmona Esri L'chuppah, Shmona Esri. He said, oh, I dive in a long Shmona Esri. That was his, uh, that was his response. We, uh, none of these reasons are applicable to Bar Mitzvah boy. Chait, he doesn't have any chait. He has no chait. The Bar Mitzvah boy has no chait. He's never sinned in his life. Avera of a katan is not an Avera. He, he has, there's a whole Shiloh whether he has to do tshuva for Avera did as a katan. That's a topic for another time. It's not relevant. None of these reasons are relevant. Okay, but no. So says of Shomel Zalman, says of Shomel Zalman in source 20, we're skipping a little bit. Says of Shomel Zalman Orbach, Vamar Abenu, or his students are quoting, Shekol HaTamim Halalu, Shayachim Rak, Bechasim Nikala. All these reasons are only applicable to the Chasim Nikala. Bishabas Ufruf. They sing to the Chassan. We don't find any source. All the Gemaras, Chassan, Kala, the reasons, Chassan, Kala. This Minog developed falsely. Based on the Minog, the Ufruf, they felt they want. The Lohaisa Ruach Rabbeinu Nochem, Minog Chadazah. The Shemel Zalman was very opposed to this minog. In fact, there's a little bit of research. It seemed that this developed in the last 50, 60 years and really started here. I don't believe in Europe this was done. Now, maybe they didn't have good candy there. Um, so where does this come from? Why, why are we doing this? Is it just a minog that developed falsely and we really should get rid of like the shul did 20 years ago? Now, I don't know why the shul, I don't know if the shul wanted to get rid of it because of, it was dangerous or because of colored base haknesses. Bizui Ochlin is not just a problem today because everything's wrapped and it's in a bag. So it's like you're very firm, it's double, it's double wrapped. The candy's packaged and it's in a bag. You don't really have Bizui Ochlin. It's not getting the floor, it's not getting the floor dirty. It's not. Oh, so they wanted to get rid of it, not, I mean, only because it had no purpose. But originally they said get rid of the whole thing. Then they wound up saying, well, because there's a minute already for... Chus, okay. Right, so that, that's, that's what Rav Shomel Zalman, very good Evan, that's what Rav Shomel Zalman Arabach, Zechat Zagav Racha says, there's no point to it. Now, Rav Shomel Zalman doesn't say there's anything wrong with it, per se, but we don't just... We don't just do we don't just do things, right? It's shul. There's we don't just make up minhagim. So says Rashmul Zalman, and he was very much opposed to it, as were many other Rabban, and I'd like in the remaining time we have to discuss, address three potential explanations. Each one I think is is beautiful. I'm 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 only the sister rabbi, but Lanias Daiti, in my opinion, these reasons, at least two of them, 
are beautiful enough to, to be matzik the minog, to be matzik the minog. One second. Okay, okay yeah? Nir, what did you say? I, I believe so. I did not see this minute of anyone. Yeah. It could be their sources I don't know about. Near, it could be their sources I don't know about. But to the best of my knowledge, this is not in any, like, any of the Sifrei Minhagim. I did not see any explanations. The two Pshatim, I'm going to share with you three explanations. One is my own, which I don't really, I'm not convinced is Pshat. The other two are from contemporary Rabbanim. Okay? One is an explanation I saw from a Rebbe of Uziel Eliyahu, who's a Rav of some Yeshuv in Eretz Yisrael, a beautiful explanation based on a Rambam. The Rambam, and we quoted this on our Hanukkah Shir last year, the Rambam is fascinating. The Rambam writes in Perush Mishnayos, how do we get kids to learn? How do we get people to learn? So the Rambam says, food. It's not just kids, I guess. Yeah, the olive dipped in honey. So look at this Rambam. The Rambam says, Naniach, in the end of the first line, Shenar Tsair, Chuchnas Torah. A young boy is brought to the Rabbi to learn. Tova It's the greatest gift in the world for this kid. He gets to learn. He can reach his, his, his fullest potential. Ella Shehu Machmas Gilo because of his young age and his, his immature mind, a young boy doesn't understand the, the, the beauty of, of what he's about to do. He doesn't understand that's going to bring him to Shlemus. So what do you do? Says the Rambam at the end of the line, The Rebbe, the Malamed, should entice him with that which is most precious to the kid. So says the Rambam, Lamed, learn, I'll give you nuts. Otein and figs. Things have changed a little bit. I don't, yeah. Any rebam in the room, don't offer them figs. Give a piece of sugar. And then he'll learn. And then says the Rambam, as he gets older, it's going to be shoes. And nice clothing. And then when he gets even older, money. Right? A five-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old might not appreciate money. When he gets a little older, again, Ram laying out the steps to teaching kids learning. And then, this is fascinating, the Ram says when he gets even older, money might not work. So what are you going to entice him with? He still doesn't appreciate Torah for Torah's sake. What should he do? This shows you how far things have changed. Take a look at the third line from the bottom. After the, after the three dots, the Omrim Lo, Lamed, Kadesh, Rav. Yeah, that's really exciting. Really exciting. Learn, you can become a rabbi. The Dayan, a judge. People are going to honor you. They're going to give you cover. They're going to stand up for you. The Ram says all that is Bidi Eved. The ideal, well, it's Bidi Eved at the time, it's Lechachilo. That's not the ideal. The ideal, when we get older, 
We learn because learning Torah is the greatest thing in the world. Because it helps us reach our shlemus. It completes us. It brings us close to our Baruch. We understand the Rebona Shalom. We understand God. But at the time, we need the externals. We need the, the prizes, the money, the candy, the shoes, the clothing, the kavod. All help at a time. Says this Rav Uziel Eliyahu. You know what we're telling the kid? We're throwing the candy. The kid sees everyone else picking up the candy. You know what we're telling the kid? You're now a bar mitzvah. You don't need candy. You're now a bar mitzvah. You're now a gadol. You now could connect with Torah and mitzvahs in your own way. Lishma, look around. Watch your brothers and all the other kids. And then by next Shabbos, there won't be so many kids in shul because we're limited at 150. So if your kids are in shul, they will like, they'll have enough candy bags to last until Pesach, I guess. Um, Moshe's getting excited over there. Be, de- deep pockets next week. Deep pockets. Bring a, bring a, bring a, bring a, bring a duffel bag. It's beautiful. We're telling the kid, hey, look at everyone else. Pick up the candy bags. They need the candy like the Rambam. They need the chaticha sukar. They need the shoes. They need the money. They need the shalolishma. Now that you're a bar mitzvah, you don't need candy to learn. You don't need candy to grow. You can connect with the Kaddish Baruch on your own. A beautiful shot. A beautiful, that's why we do it in shul, Aaron. We don't go to his house. You go to the house and give him candy. If it's just a simon tov, if it's just a hint that life is sweet, or that it should be your worst peckle, or we're throwing it at you, so you should, be, you should be stark, you should be hard like the candy. No, no, we're telling the kid, you don't eat candy anymore. All the candy's around him. He's not picking up the candy. He's, he's, he's shielding himself. He has his talus over his head. He has the hockey helmet on to make sure it doesn't hit him. Everyone else is picking up candy. For you, the Torah itself sells. You don't need candy. A beautiful shot. Beautiful shot. Second shot I saw. There's an article I found online by a Dr. Arnad, who's a professor in Barilan, and he quotes a shot which I, I don't, I don't know who he's quoting from, but it's very beautiful. Very beautiful. Kids, and I don't know about anyone here, but I remember those days when there's a bar mitzvah in shul or no different shul. When you're a kid and you get like the candy, there's something very exciting about that. Even though you might have the same candy at home. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Michi, you're looking at me like, yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you go to shul and there's a certain, there's a certain chachma, the kids who are good at it, they figure out exactly where to stand. Like, are most, where the woman, are they going to underthrow? Are they going to overthrow? Where, a good receiver, right? A good receiver could, could anticipate where the throw is going to go. A smart 10-year-old or 8-year-old or 11-year-old is, is thinking, is anticipating, is figuring out. And, if, and if he's got to figure out exactly where to go, how to get there, where he's crawling. You see kids like picking up, like, I got four bags, how many did you get? There's a certain, there's a certain energy, there's a certain excitement. And who does the kid have to thank? Who does he have to thank? Who does he have to thank? There's no one to thank. He doesn't know who threw in the bag. You have no idea. And some shuls could be up in the balcony. It's behind the machitza. He has no idea who to thank. So there's a, there's a double there's a double geschmack. There's a double enjoyment for a kid. Number one, when you work hard for something, you enjoy it more than if it was just given to you. So he might have that same candy at home, but he worked hard to get it. He had to crawl under all the legs and through the benches and the, the chairs and figure out where the candy was going to get the bag. Number two, he didn't have to say thank you. How do you say thank you? Takes away takes away from the from the from the from the pleasure. From the Gishmak. So writes this, this Rav, or this person, I don't even know who it is, he says, Hakash Baruch Hu 
runs the world the same way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us our food. He gives us our parnasa. He gives us our mizonos. He can give it to us in an open way, which is very, very clear. His ways are mysterious. We don't know where it's coming from. We have to work for it. Right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have to make us work for it. We can sit around and do nothing and He can give it to us. We have to work. We work, but it comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the idea over here also is that the candy bags are being thrown from all over. We don't even know where they're coming from. We get the geschmack. We get the enjoyment because we have to work for it. And that's really a, a, a muscle for all of life. We work. We work to get what we have. And we have to work. And there's an enjoyment. The Gemara Brachla says, Greater is one who benefits from, his, from the work of his hand than Yerushimayim. And we work hard and we enjoy what we do. But ultimately, where is it coming from? It's coming from a Baruch Hu, behind the Mechitza, so to speak. We're teaching all these kids, you're going to work for what you have, you're going to enjoy it, you're going to have to work hard to, to, to earn in life, to recognize that you don't even know where it's coming from. It's coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, me'achore ha'pargod, from behind, the, behind the, the fence, so to speak. And that's another, I think, beautiful hint, not just to the Bar Mitzvah boy, but primarily to the Bar Mitzvah boy, but for all the other children in shul, maybe that's why the minag is also in shul, and we have the kids get, that Rashi we saw in Ksuvis says that the kids, we throw it to the kids, to teach the kids that idea, which I think is very beautiful. We have two more minutes, I'll just say very quickly, the third pshat, which is my own explanation, is based on a line in the Magen of Ram. The Magen of Ram in source 24, the bottom of page 8, and we've done three minutes, the Magen Avram is talking about the Suda of a Bar Mitzvah. The Magen Avram says, "Shemitzvah Adam Las so Suda beyond Shenasa beno Bar Mitzvah." There's a mitzvah to make a meal, a party, a Suda's mitzvah. And look what he says: "Kiyom shenichnas lechupa." The day of the Bar Mitzvah is like the day someone goes to chupa. The Suda's Bar Mitzvah, the meal, the Bar Mitzvah, that celebration is like a chupa. It's like the day of a wedding. I saw a quote in a beautiful sefer that the brother of the Imre Emes, so that's the second son of the Svas Emes, was your Moshe Vitzal altar. He was killed in Treblinka, Hashem Yimkom Damo. And he said, the Pnei Menachem, who was his nephew, so the Pnei Menachem was the son of the Imre Emes, Writes that, if you take a look on the second line of source 25, bar mitzvah, sorry, Zichruti, I remember the first line, bar mitzvah, before my bar mitzvah, Shalach Eli Dodi, my uncle sent me, Hagon Atzak, Moshe Mitzal Alter, Hashem Yukom Demo, Shabiyoma bar mitzvah, Kimo Biyoma Chasna, the day of our mitzvah, like the day of a wedding, Efshar Lifol Haribe Dvarim, you can accomplish so much on your bar mitzvah, like a Day of the wedding, day of the wedding. We know the Chasen Kala have a list of names. You see them davening under the chuppah. It's Zman, it's a time so mesugal, so set up for tefillah. The, 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 the pipeline to Shemayim is right there. So to a bar mitzvah. And he quotes the Zohar, Biniyata, where Kaz Baruch Hu said to David Melech when he turned to bar mitzvah, You are now my son. Now you become a god. Now you become part of Klai Israel. The day of the bar mitzvah is like a chuppah, it's like a chasna. The Sefer Nitei Gavriel says, Yeshinogim lekaro chasna bar mitzvah. There's a minute to call the bar mitzvah boy the chasan ha bar mitzvah. He's not just a bar mitzvah, he's the chasan ha bar mitzvah. In fact, 
I was working on a project for my son's bar mitzvah, um, a mini kuntras type of thing. You'll see in shul next week, hopefully. So I sent um, seven shilas to Rav Usher Weiss. Rav Usher Weiss was here in our shul a year ago. It's hard to believe already. For Ephraim Gersberg's father's yurt site, the beautiful Shabbos we had here, I sent him seven shilas, and he wrote me back a three-page truva. The last shila was, do you have a bracha for my son? And if you take a look, I just noticed this when I was preparing for the shir. In source 28, he writes, Bikesh mimeni, He's referring to the bar mitzvah. You asked to give a bracha to the bar mitzvah and to, and to give him an eitzah, to give him advice. And he calls him chasan ha-mitzvos. Like this nitte gavriel. The, the, the bar mitzvah is like a yom ha-chuppah. It's like a chasna. You take a look at the next page, you know, time. Another story with Imri Emes. He said that this suda is like a chuppah. You could do so much, just like a chasen and kala could, 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 could enter into Shemaim or, or beseech Hashem in a magnificent way, so to a bar mitzvah. So I was just thinking, it doesn't work out totally for all the reasons. But if at chasna, we throw bags. And if at an ufruf, we throw bags. And this idea of, of a chasen and, and, and the day of the chasna, for whatever reason, was simon tov, throwing bags. So maybe to Baramis, to hint to the bar mitzvah boy, that you're not just a bar mitzvah, you're chasan ha mitzvah, so you're getting married to the mitzvahs. You're marrying Kosh Baruch Hu, Zayyom Aniyilaticha. Today's the day, you're marrying me, you're marrying the Torah, you're marrying the mitzvahs. So the hint to that, we're throwing candy bags to let him know that he's not just a bar mitzvah, he's a chasan ha bar mitzvah. And hopefully, all the reasons of the bar mitzvah, to teach you that you don't need candy anymore, I'm not buying you any more candy, there's no more gifts, Torah itself is, 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 is enough. And we're telling all the bar mitzvah boys, or it's this idea, this mermaid, this nimshal to a kosh baruch hu, a kosh baruch hu showers us, we have to work for it, but it comes from Hashem, so too these kids are running around getting their candy, but really it comes from someone they don't even know who it's coming from, it's coming from the women's section or whatever, and uh, number three, this idea as a chasna mitzvah can be three reasons why we throw bags. I will ask. Yichiel wants me to ask. Don't hurt him next week. I taught him, so I'll be up there next to him. So I'm going to try to catch them and throw them back at you. Uh, we'll have some fun. We should, he should have a beautiful bar mitzvah and grow up to be shemenes nachas to his parents. Skoyach, we will daven marv in a few minutes. Thank you. Hey, how do I turn this up?